Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, your favorite podcast about the old Miss Rebels. Got a sad episode for you tonight uh pouring some out for a uh, a rebel great no doubt the end of the andy kennedy era at old miss as uh kennedy resigns today gotta love uh news on a on a monday for us to be able to talk about it that's perfect um looks like he finished 245 and 154 hit 100 sec wins this year took old miss to the uh sec title game in the tournament uh, and won it back in what was that john 2013 Right, yep. beat Wisconsin that year in the NCAA tournament. A couple years later, uh, with Steph Moody gets in the play the play in game, beats uh, BYU, I believe it was, in one of the best games of that year's tournament. Um, other than that, you know, some some small victories here and there, some some individual games. Last year, wins uh, in the NIT at Syracuse was kind of the highlight for last year, but. You know, obviously, been a rough campaign this season. We talked about it. I think we talked on this show about how uh, this is kind of the expected result. But still, it's kind of crazy to uh, to actually see it end, you know, after Andy Kennedy is pretty much the only Ole Miss basketball coach I've ever known. Wasn't a huge Ole Miss fan before, you know, well, really only in the last, like, six or seven years, but obviously not, like, 11 or 12 years ago when Kennedy was hired. So, uncharted territory for sure. Um, go ahead and say, get it out of the way. I'm Justin Sanders. Got my co-host on the line, John Stefanczyk. John, and we want to hear about the weather, but also after that or before that, whatever, let's get your thoughts on uh, Andy Kennedy resigning. What are you thinking, man? I've said for a while this is where I think this was headed. It was mm-hmm. kind of a – You have. You've, you've been calling this. It, the, for, for me, about six months, this has been a natural parting of ways. Or maybe not – it's maybe not the best way, but it, maybe an inevitable parting of ways. Um mm-hmm. It's got to end I think, sometime. I think coming out saying it's beneficial for both parties. Um, AK could go be an assistant next year if he wanted to do that. He could maybe be a lower tier head coach. I think he's going to be on TV probably or try to. Uh, if I were him, I'd go to TV. He's a great fit for it. Yep. I mean, he'd be really good. He'd be really good on TV. But it's up to him on you know how much he wants to coach. I mean, I think AK. Well, I say. Uh, could the question with AK is is going to be? I mean, in five years, we're going to be looking back going, you know, was AK a good coach and the Ole Miss job just had an an inevitable ceiling, or was she, or was AK just the coach that can never quite get over the hump? That you know, he's a good assistant, but not a and an okay head coach, not a great head coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Most likely result is that the most likely thing is Ole Miss doesn't do squat for right. a while after. I don't really, I mean, until they improve their recruiting in college basketball, which 
I have no idea how the hell that's going to happen, nor if there's going to, nor is the interest going to be there from the administration to do this because they just can't. They were too dumb to cheat in football, and basketball is a whole nother level of wild. Yeah, too too dumb to not get caught. Obviously, you got the whole FBI dynamic there, so you know, right. The administration is going to be beyond timid, and then you combine that with let's say Ole Miss said we're going all in. They're not high enough in the Nike priority chain for them to even get there. I don't think they could get get to the upper echelon if they wanted to. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a question for for Bjork, right? And and that's I'm not even sure he'd be willing to have those conversations with Nike. But somehow there has to be a way to to, to have that conversation, right? And part of it is Nike is such a large apparel company. I, I think they have so many schools and so many basketball schools that uh, you know they don't worry too much about Ole Miss and. It's hard to blame him for that. So here's a question kind of going off of what you were just talking about, John. So obviously, yeah, like you talked about the FBI looking into college basketball at AAU and shoe companies and all of that. Um, do, do you subscribe to this idea that now would be a bad time uh, to, to hire an AAU-connected coach, like say a, a Penny Hardaway or a Mergerle? Uh, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. The, uh, um, the guy from Grand Canyon. Not necessarily. I mean, I think, I think hiring a coach that runs in those circles is maybe a logical way to move towards a more competitive recruiting structure. Um, I guess it's just is now just a bad time to do it. It's hard to know. I mean, I guess that's just the question. What do you think about Penny Hardaway in general as a candidate? I think he's a serious candidate, which would be weird to hire a high school coach. I'm just going to be frank. My general interest to discuss a basketball hot board is not very high. This hire, there's really – my ceiling is incredibly low. I mean, if they made Raheem Lockhart the head coach, I'd be like, eh, that's kind of almost – that's par. (laughs) Par but not impressive. I mean, that would – when you say par, you mean that's the kind of mediocre hire you would expect. Yeah, the the way the football hire went down and the way that Bjork's a puppet. Mm-hmm. Which let's talk about the fact that Vitter didn't show up today for that whole ordeal. Well, he's not involved in athletics, John. I don't. He has yeah, no. I he mean, has no influence. It's, Jeff Vitter's clearly going to go make the hire on the side now. Bjork's just there playing puppet master. I mean, uh, I, I think it's a, funnier that everybody thought Bjork was this highly sought after AD that we were lucky to have even for a short period of time, and now it's like very obvious. It's not like he can get a better or maybe even notable job, and he's kind of just stuck being the the bag holder for Vitter's bad decisions like yeah i mean it's quite the fall from grace time, i think at one time ross was looked at as an up-and-coming guy probably about three years ago but now it's a uh you mean before he presided yeah. over like a three-sport ncaa investigation yeah exactly yeah that'll kind of that'll kind of hurt you especially after the last two schools you were at also got in ncaa trouble huh he is uh he's damaged goods yeah okay yes it he has to turn things around that I'll miss, maybe. Or just go back down a level and start over. I guess um, what I'm saying is I have no expectations for this hire. Mm-hmm. Now, could they go out and actually get a candidate better than we think they could? It's possible. If they – I think I think salary is available to mm-hmm. an extent. And I think – I mean, they have a nice new building. Right, facilities that, are plus. They have actually have. They finally have decent facilities. The problem is, is where do you go to get your players? 
both from a geographic perspective and a uh, high school networking perspective. Right. You're not anywhere new. You're really nowhere there on the Nike, on the from a Nike standpoint. So, it's a. Uh, there's really other than a brand new building. What what is there to sell? I mean. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can. I mean, you can sell the SEC being better than it used to be. Like if they're. I'll tell, they're, you, I'll tell you what I would do. Okay. Pavel Cobbleson had actually been able to join us. He would. Uh, he would appreciate this. Yeah, He's we a- should just say we should just say because this is the most table thing ever that we wanted to have table on the show to talk about. AK, he may or may not be able to come on later. I kind of doubt it. He seems pretty tied up. He is at a soft opening for a gas station. It's baller. You know, I wasn't going to mention that because I'm going. That's kind of embarrassing for us. But then I think about how popular his gas station. Yeah, what are you talking about? Embarrassing for us? Come on. He definitely gets more readers on his uh, gas station reviews than we've ever gotten listeners. We did so. help make Table Cobbleson, Table Cobbleson. Exactly, exactly. We were promoting him before, uh, you know, before people copied our work, which is fine. You know, copy our work. He's a brilliant uh, satirist yeah. and uh, an artist. That's fine. Pad. That's what we do. We were launching Pad for Friday Roll. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, it's not that we have a lot of listeners. It's that our listeners are the influencers of the normies, you know. We, we inspire great. Exactly. We, we're... We're your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast, uh, if you will. Um, what the hell are we talking about? Uh, uh, we're talking about how oh, Table. Yeah, I got it now. Yeah, yeah. So Table has been saying, "Look, Ole Miss isn't going to can't compete at the top in the SEC football. Mm-hmm. They should just go run the triple option and go like eight and four every year." Sure. And I've been, and I just don't want to go that road because I think it's worth taking a flyer on. Maybe you can actually have a elite team one every once in a blue moon. Right. For basketball, I think Ole Miss can get there has a path to getting there and on a you know one once every ten year flyer perspective. Basketball, I don't think they can get there. I would make the equivalent hire of going to get the triple option, which you know I don't know. Maybe we should have Friday rolling on here to analyze this. We should have Ken on here to talk, give. Well, give yeah, us a- I mean Ken, I want to hear from him about how hiring Bruce Pearl is a great idea. Did. Say this out loud. Um, to me, the SEC is go get your athletic guy. You're, you're a bunch of athletic dudes and put a team together around a bunch of athletes. Mm-hmm. I would go hire a coach that would go play fundamental basketball, that would play freaking Wisconsin style. U- UVA? Four, UVA style? UVA. Hmm. Interesting. Butler, that would be a complete 180 from, from AK. I would play Bobby Knight, Indiana basketball. Interesting. In, why not hire Bobby Knight? I mean, why not? I think we could, <laughs> he, he could be a good rebel. Tell me Bobby oh Knight. Oh, my God. I don't know. How are those pavilion chairs? Are they good Good weight for, for throwing? Dude, we, not too Bobby, padded, I hope. Oh, my gosh. It's we hired Bobby Knight. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, old ass. He looks so old. He looks but like that he's, is, yeah, he's too, he, he was only 10 years younger. Oh, but I would, I mean, that's what I would do. In in basketball, everything's a crapshoot. All you got to do is go get hot for one game and anything can happen. So mm-hmm. I would play a different style at Ole Miss. I would go play fundamental basketball. You go recruit kids that are, decent, you know, okay athletic, but they understand the game. They mm-hmm. come down. This is interesting. Interesting proposal. Uh, that, that, I, w- I would play a counterattack. 
you're never in a million years going to get to Kentucky. Right. You're not Florida. If Tennessee's giving a shit, you're not going to beat Tennessee. If Alabama or Georgia ever decide to care, which Alabama gives a little bit of a shit with Avery Johnson, you're not getting there. I mean, Arkansas is going to be better than you. I mean, Missouri, if they actually – I didn't realize Quanzo Martin was the Missouri coach. He's going to actually make them good. I just – Yeah, no, I know. He, he is going to make them good. I, I would not even waste my time trying to go head-to-head with this stuff. I would – I would be the different team would be my approach. That's actually, that's pretty interesting. And in general, I embrace that kind of philosophy of just trying to be the counterballast and, uh, you know, on, on your best day and their worst day, you might be able to beat a team that's more talented because of the styles you play. Um, that would be super interesting. I think the problem is, and maybe we're wrong here. I just, I don't really know what the criteria are for this next coach. So let's try to let's try to hypothetically think of some. I think probably one criteria is no recent NCAA trouble, uh, or maybe at all. So I think that probably rules out Forbes at East Tennessee if he would even come. Uh, I I think that that the administration might be too skittish to do that. Um, obviously, being well liked by boosters is a, a criteria that's very important um, for for some, whether it's Jeffrey Vitter or who knows Ross Bjork. Um, I think I think that's going to play into it. I just don't know, I guess, what I'm trying to say, if they're really thinking in that high level of a strategic basketball, you know, what's going to fit into the league at this time type idea. Good rebel. I, I imagine they're going to try super hard to hire Mike White. He's obviously going to say no and stay at Florida. They're going to end up with either like Raheem or Hardaway or someone bigger, like that. Bigger reach. Uh, this will be fun. Okay. Willie Taggart in football or Mike White in basketball? I think White's the bigger reach because Taggart did leave Oregon. Like, that that happened. But he obviously went to a much better program than Ole Miss in Florida State. Yep. So that's, uh, they're, they're comparable. I think they're comparable, don't you think? They're both never going to happen. Yep, completely agree. I mean, at least we're not being told that uh, Mike White's a very real possibility like we were with Taggart. That's that's one positive. Yeah. Uh, what are your obviously? I mean, I kind of said at the top of the show some of the favorite AK memories. But let's go a little. Let's go a little off book. Um, for me, it was anytime Anthony Perez had a good game, and then afterwards, Andy Kennedy would just be like, "Yeah, that was weird." And like that time that he called Anthony Perez like the biggest mystery of his career, uh, yeah. and then that ended up on Anthony Perez's Wikipedia page. Those are all highlights. Um. I, the buzzer beater uh, at Nashville to beat Vandy by Marshall was a was a crazy huge moment. Just that was Marshall Henderson. Yeah, in general like. Marshall Madness, but that was kind of the starter, the the first game that set off this Marshall Madness craze. Um, beating Mizzou thanks to uh, Derek Millinghouse, that was fun. Yep. Um, anything with Murphy? Really, anything that whole year. Was just a riding high. That was one of the beating Wisconsin. That was that was great. Yep. The problem is we're not coming up with that many, and it's not necessarily a basketball coach's job to uh, just fill us up with highlight plays and moments. But I can only think of two seasons in the last five that have 
really felt good at the end of it. Uh, and even then, real disappointments in there. There's the Georgia yeah. tip that that cost them the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. What was that? 08, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there was, uh, I, I think, the LaSalle loss. In yeah, 13. that was heartbreaking because it really felt like Mid- they maybe could keep going. They go to L.A. and play Wichita State. Yeah. I mean, anything is possible at that point. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was really shitty. Um, I mean, Steph Moody in general – did they did we didn't do a ton with him and he was so good. I mean they they won the playing game, but that was about it. Uh I some of my best memories were definitely how ridiculously far Moody can make threes, especially in his senior year. Like out from the SEC logo or beyond, just like in, in the course of a regular game. That was tight. Uh you know who I love from the AK era? Maybe my favorite player. I'll give you one guess. It's not Marshall, it's not Moody, it's not Dre. I would from when I, mean, I was in college. Somebody I, that I think the ultimate Andy Kennedy player is Murphy Holloway. Yeah, he's a great he's a great guy. For me, my favorite is Snoop White. That's that's the hell of a guy right there. He's he was a fun dude. Uh he, he would have games where he would ball out. He'd have games where he would completely disappear. Uh he had braces in college. I, I love Ladarius White. I miss that guy. I was reminded of him earlier when I saw a picture from the uh from the SEC tournament team that won. That's one of those guys where you have no idea what he's up to. I hope he's coaching or something. I don't think he's playing overseas, but he might be. Um, I mean, I think another indictment of AK is that uh, Terrence Davis will probably never play in the tournament. Talent like that just kind of – I mean, same with DeAndre Burnett, right? It, it was, he wasn't here for the playing game. He was on the bench at that point, transferred from Miami. I mean, say what you will about – Kennedy's recruiting be a sabotage by Vitter or whatever, but there's still talent on the roster and they're not good. Like the team as a whole this, is not this good. This year was his worst season by a, a distinct margin. Yeah, especially coaching wise. Like it wasn't just because of the roster. I think people that are hung up on that are being a little disingenuous. Yeah. Like it, it's easy to say, you know, Pickett and uh, Parker Stewart, but I mean, I mean, let's look it up. Let's look up their stats. I've done this on a recent show, I think. I, I do not think they would have made the difference in this season. And people talk about the overtime games, but the overtime games weren't even against, like, necessarily tournament teams. No. I, I look at, uh, uh, well. Could have maybe McCrady. won at Arkansas. Could have maybe won at A&M. Like, those were close games. McCrady hit it well in 10 thoughts this week. He basically said, look, Burnett didn't give him as much as he thought. You know, he's a solid player. He wasn't an, an elite SEC guard or an above-average SEC guard. I disagree. I, I think especially before this season, he was absolutely elite. Last season, he was amazing. This season, he didn't give him as much as I think they expected. Yeah, I agree. His, his points per game is way down this season, but that's partially because you're rotating like six guards in. Fair. I don't put I that think, on DeAndre. Well, they, they've, they haven't gotten enough out of the backcourt between – Tyree hasn't taken the step you thought he would have. Right. Yeah, no, Tyree that, is really a non-factor in most games. The, the guards have all, quite frankly, underwhelmed if we're yeah. going to really come down to it. They've, been, they've had their spots, but they haven't been a consistent dominant backcourt. They, they needed two or three to emerge as your heavy, heavy minutes, guys. Um, and when they're all playing their best, I mean, yeah, it could be Terrence Davis or it could be Burnett. Like, they've all had huge games. Uh, even Tyrese had huge games. But 
they don't really have any good chemistry. They don't put it together consistently at like every night tonight. Bruce Stevens was always going to take time to transfer. I don't really hold it too much against him. I, I, I like Stevens, though. I think he's good. Dominic Olad, what's his name? Oladichek or Oladichek, yeah, he is. I mean, he sucks. His biggest disappointment of the year. Not but even. at the same time, it's almost like we should have realized that we were getting someone that couldn't hack it at Drake. I mean, it, that's partially on us for just saying, oh, he's seven foot, we got this. Like, he's got to be good. But yeah. yet, not, not adding much. It's a it's a rough season for sure. Um, looking at this, so as a freshman, Parker Stewart averaging eight point three points, um, not bad. That's pretty good. Uh, ooh, shooting thirty six percent from three. That's nice. Um, and then I thought it was. I always thought it was Jamarco. Apparently, it's Jamorco. There's not an okay. A at the end there. Um, he is averaging nine point four points per game. So I mean they're they're not bad players by any stretch. I just don't think that they were gonna solve all the problems this team had. Um Yeah, he's shooting thirty four percent from three, so that's pretty good as well. That's not bad. They're both tall guys. Um so I, I don't don't get me wrong, I'm defending Jeff Fitter. I like most Ole Miss fans right now are not super pleased with uh what he's bringing to the table, but I just think that you can't put the season on him. I mean, AK still recruited these guys. It's not like this is the first season where things haven't been exactly the way he wanted them to be roster-wise, um, and it's still the worst he's had. I, to me, it's a product of the SEC getting better and kind of exposing the fact that Kennedy's wins were often coming against a, a fairly weak schedule. But... That's just me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I I think if we took the time slash had the analytic insight to to analyze it, I think we could definitely show that those 21 seasons coming against weak SECs, just from memory, we know that the SEC was not getting a lot of teams in uh, every year for the for you know his tenure, the last 12 years. There hasn't been a a lot of years where you thought, wow, the SEC is really strong right now. Maybe a couple, uh, but this year is better than any of those, right? SEC is still looking at getting like seven bids, I think. There's a there's a lot of good teams this year. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, it meant, like I mentioned earlier, maybe that's partially part of your pitch to your candidate. You know, come coach in a league that's getting better and better and have opportunities. But it's also, you know, something the new coach has to be concerned about. Um is it's, it's getting harder to win in the SEC. Yeah, I'm with you. I really have no idea uh, how it's going to turn out with the search. I'm not super excited about it. Um, but, hey, it is what it is. It's kind of a it's kind of a reminder of how much more people care about football than about basketball. Just the fact that if this was a football search, I would actually have some hope. I would be holding out that, oh, we're a good enough job that maybe we could pull, you know, Someone like, I guess, a Charlie Strong would have been exciting this past cycle. Um, I can't remember who else we were actually excited about, but I still thought, you know, this could be something. When I was at basketball, it just feels like we've already kind of bungled the search before we even started it, really. Um, just because not an appealing job, don't have the resources, don't have the enthusiasm. Um, it's going to be, uh, 
it's gonna be fun guys but we'll talk about it uh as these things progress uh i don't know if i mentioned it andy kennedy is gonna finish coaching the rest of the season i mean i'm hoping that means they're getting ready for a big senior night thank you ak type thing i mean that's only fair with what he's done for the program he single-handedly took it from what like 100 games under 500 or something to to back in the positive um i I mean that's that's something he he is still statistically definitely the best coach in school history um even though that's not a super long list of uh you know accomplished coaches for him to go against but still he, he deserves respect from the school he reserves he deserves you know to be thanked for his service but at the same time it, it seems like it feels like the right time it feels like a a mutual parting of ways um and i guess we'll miss we're gonna see we're gonna see from here i, I don't really want to hold out any hope after the way things have gone in athletics the last few years so i'll just say we're gonna wait and we're gonna see what happens um we talked we're gonna talk about baseball uh obviously season starts on friday got winthrop at home i believe uh but before then should we take a little interlude here i don't know if you have been watching i brought this up in the pregame i don't know have you been watching any winter olympics that you want to uh say your favorite events are i've been watching some of it what do you That's... like because i'm honestly an Olymp- especially a winter olympics hater right now i like a couple things but overall it's been pretty boring to me I would agree. There's a lot of who gives a shit. Yeah, that's uh, most of it for me. I've got NBC on right now. They're showing the women's half, half pipe. I couldn't care less about the women's half pipe. Yeah. I, I think the stuff that NBC shows, half pipe, figure skating, it's all, I could, like I said. Yeah, figure skating doesn't really do it for me either. And I know it's super hard, but I just don't. It, like, it is weird too because there's something about gymnastics where it's very similar to figure skating. You have like music and programs and you're jumping up in the air. But I just, it's more exciting to, to me for some reason than figure skating. Figure skating is just kind of like boring. I don't know why. I like uh, speed skating, kind of. Speed skating, is, is, I think, is is decent. Somewhat interesting. Short track is, uh, I think, short track's more entertaining. You know, I wish, uh, yeah, for sure. I wish they would put like two luges side by side. Because I think that's what it's lacking. I, the time trials is, is kind of a snooze fest. If you could no, build, like, a double luge they track. Would, they would sick. have, like, yeah, parallel luge tracks and make it, like, an NHRA-type That'd format. be tight. That would be cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't. Um, let me think what else. Oh, everybody loves curling now. It's, like, a trendy thing to like. And I'm sure, like, don't get mad Table. I know Table was into it before people liked it because he's weird like that. But it's very hot this year to tweet about how much you like curling. Yeah, everybody's finally getting around to it. Yeah, so. it's it's like... Hey, Sanders, here's what you need to watch. Right, the Great Britain women's curling team. Okay. Do a little research on that. Okay, I'm assuming they're really good at the sport, and that's why you're saying well, they're it. They're good. They're also pretty... Uh, the, the skip is pretty... It is attractive. She's done modeling. How before. dare you, sir? How dare yep. you? Uh, I care about the athletic prowess of the athletes. That's all I care about. You, you mentioned biathlon earlier in the message, right? That's a cool concept. Is it actually fun to watch, though? I think it is because they're out there busting ass skiing. Yeah. And then they pick a gun and then they shoot something. I, I can. You know what's a crazy Olympic sport to watch? This is Summer Olympics. You ever watch the steeplechase? Yes. That is nuts. They're running and like jumping in big pools of water. Like it's so weird. It's the weirdest thing. 
Like, it yeah. seems like a throwback to, like, when a sport was, like, carrying a, a giant barbell from one end of the pitch to the other or something. Like, it's just so weird. I love it. Um, That's Winter Olympics for you. That was, our, that was a lot of good coverage we had there. Uh, I, actually, can I – can, go ahead. I, think, I haven't watched any Alpine yet. I, think Alpine I have not. Is- I was gonna I say miss, I missed the, the, the Bodie Miller uh I missed the Bodie Miller discipline. Oh, he won a couple medals. Mm-hmm. Well the new the new guy is Red Jarrett, right? Everybody loves Red Jarrett. The snowboarder. I think that's his name. Sure. Whatever. Yeah, I don't <laughs> really uh, they need to add snowmobile snowmobile events. Oh yeah, that'd be tight, dude. They should just add everything from the X Games. I mean it's not that different now. Yeah, it's like they have this stupid stuff for snowboarding. They need to add, like, snowboarding. They should, they should put basketball in the Winter Olympics. It's an indoor sport. That's actually not terrible. I'm idea. serious. I'm totally serious. Why not, like, add some interest, some interesting team sports, you know? I'm not a big hockey guy, but I know that's one winter team sport. But I, I agree. I'm with you. I mean, we actually play basketball in the winter, so whatever. If anybody has any good arguments for why basketball can't be in the Winter Olympics, uh, please email us or send them on Twitter because I would love to hear that. Just generally better mm-hmm. sports-wise. Let's think about it. I mean, we're talking I'm trying to think about... of other things from the Summer Olympics that are actually season neutral. And, and swimming, but that's I mean that's inside, but it does seem more summery than wintery. So I'm going to table that. Beach. Yeah. I, I think you could do archery in the winter. What about what about indoor? You do indoor volleyball in the winter, outdoor volleyball in the summer. That's fair. Handball could be winter. Yeah, absolutely. You could do any of the martial arts, like judo or wrestling. Any of that could be winter. Summer Olympics just is way more. Has so much more interesting stuff going on. They do. The IOC needs us to fix this. Field swimming Mm -hmm. is all interesting. Mm -hmm. You got a hell. You got tennis, basketball. Mm Um. Track, track and field, gymnastics. Cycling, as I forgot, I had gymnastics and those. Sports. I mean, track and field, a lot of that stuff's pretty fun, like watching. I mean, I'd rather watch gymnastics figure skating every day. Exactly. Way. No, I think that they're similar, but for whatever reason, gymnastics is, like, much more compelling. I don't I don't know why. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I know a lot of people disagree about that. I also love in the Summer Olympics, I love diving. Diving is awesome. Yep. Uh, especially the coordinated diving. That is crazy stuff. Um, don't they have an actual like decathlon in the in the Summer Olympics? Or am I crazy? Yes, they do. That's, That's pretty correct. cool. I mean, general marathon running is cool. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I say all this, but it's part of it is a grass is greener thing too. I feel like the Olympics are always cooler in theory than when you actually watch them. Like it's always like you get excited about the idea of the Olympics. Uh, and then, like, the two weeks are here, and you're kind of like, eh, well, I can just do Olympic, something else. I think Olymp- I should look this up. Olympic ratings have declined. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And I think NBC bought, like, a long contract uh, out of it, too, for a ton of money. I think NBC has really done a damn good job of screwing up coverage of the stuff. I mean, yeah. it's. I mean, I like live streaming. Like, the tape delay stuff got a little ridiculous, especially in the last Olympics. I remember it was kind of out of control. Um, but with social media now, you know, it's kind of silly to tape delay anything, but I agree that the coverage is just so, so like even, even when they're doing like fast whip around coverage, it's still not enough action. Like there needs to be a, a red zone style 
NBC channel that is showing all the action and just none of the lead up and none of the boring rounds or uh, runs or anything like that. Um, I honestly think like, uh, and this is kind of similar to what I was talking about a few weeks ago about a good NBA roundup show, which I still need to check out the show you suggested. I have not yet. Uh, but I think you could probably distill like all the interesting events of the day at the Olympics into about 30 minutes and just watch that once a day. And that would be plenty. You could do a 30 minute or, or a one, 30 minute slash one hour. You could do one hour and very highlights and interviews of athletes. Yeah. And that would be the best thing to do. So another thing I want to talk about, about the Olympics, it is so weird. Okay, and, and this is actually this is actually a tie into Ole Miss. So what if instead of the two year bowl ban, uh, and you know Kiffin show cause and some lost scholarships and lost fit stuff like that, what if the uh, the NCAA just told us you know okay you can keep competing, you just have to change your name from Ole Miss to collegiate athletes from the University of Mississippi. You know, like the like the OAR thing, the weird. Uh, Olympic... well, what if they say you have to get rid of rebels? Right. Well, that's pretty much how they punished Russia, right? I just don't understand how it's actually a punishment. Like, it actually is kind of similar to just saying you can't say the hotty toddy anymore, but you still get to compete. It's I it's think so if weird. You took away script old Miss, you'd piss off a chunk of alumni. Oh yeah. Dude. Well, I would be a little upset to lose script old Miss. I mean, that's a big part of our identity. That's basically what they did with Russia. They say, take the flag away. Yeah, exactly. Imagine taking the flag away from American athletes and piss off a chunk. Of People country. would get mad. What if you said you mandated athletes had to kneel during the national anthem? That's it right there. BC would never allow it because uh, they'd lose so much ratings off of the whole flag debacle. Mm. Like, you want, you think, uh, well, I mean, the, the kneeling during the anthem, I'm disrespecting them, I mean, you think that's bad? Take the flag out of the damn Olympic logo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that would be hilarious. Um,. <laughs> Yeah, so that's weird. I also think the whole like unified Korean team thing is very weird. I don't really understand what Kim Jong Un is getting out of that. Can you can you explain that at all? I don't I don't get it. Like why let it it seems it seems weak. Like it seems like uncharacteristically weak for him to be like, "Oh yeah, we'll march with South Korea because a unified Korea is what South Koreans want. Like they just want to take in all the poor North Korean people." Uh, and just be like, it's okay, we can, you know, you can join our advanced economy and we'll get you back on your feet. I feel like that's the last thing that Kim Jong-un wants, but I don't know. This just seems like a stepping stone towards that. It's, overall, politically, it's pretty weird Olympics. Yeah. I, and, like, Un's sister is there and, like, being photographed with Mike Pence and everything. It's it's all really weird. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> all right, so... So do you want to talk about baseball? Sure. Here's baseball in a sentence. Who who the hell is going to hit? Mm-hmm. That's fair. We were talking about that a little bit before uh, the show started. We're going to be I mean, asking Will, a lot. Will, Will Golson's not a leadoff hitter. I mean, let, let's talk. I know there's a lot of new faces. In, well, actually, you should probably give the lineup. And then we can yeah, I'm see. pulling up the roster right now. I don't know about the lineup per se. Unless have you, do you have a projected lineup that you've seen recently? You can. Parham had one posted in McCready's ten thoughts here. I'll do. Oh, it's in the ten. Okay, I'll, I haven't read the ten thoughts. I'll, I can pull that up too and see what Parham says. If he had what AK said about I hate AK's assessment of the team's fair. He talked about guards, not 
meeting expectations and all that shit. Yeah, of course. Um, and this is this will serve as an at least at least first of uh, of the season plug for uh, Chase Parm. I think he's definitely one of the things. If you're really serious about following Ole Miss and college baseball in general, um, I suggest subscribing to Rebel Grove for Parm's updates. He is. Really plugged in with Bianco uh, and just in general has great contacts in college baseball, which is something that doesn't really get that much coverage. Um, so it's kind of impressive what, what Parm's able to uh, to pull information-wise. So I, I have it pulled up now. Do you want to go through this and we'll talk about him one by one? So yeah. leading off, he's got Golson. I definitely agree with you. He's not a leadoff hitter. I think he has let off some in the past kind of as a Band-Aid. Uh, but you have to think they're hoping that someone like Cervadio – Will Golson's a seven-hole hitter. That's what he is. On a good team, like a, a really solid team. Yeah, he's like a solid, like, he's a guy that could play a couple, two or three different spots in the infield or even outfield. He's kind of a flex guy that hits in the seven-hole. He... Yeah, but I mean, let's not let's not denigrate him too much. He's had some great seasons. Let's see, he could he could he could have a B season, but I still don't want him leading well, what's off. What's his best statistical season? He I don't want him leading off. He had a great season last he year. Remember, he was our best hitter. What was his average? I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up. If it wasn't last year, the year before, he, he had one. Great, he, he had one season. great season last year. Did he? Someone he had one season where he was like our surprisingly best hitter, and I want to say well, it was last well, year. If you were the best hitter last year, is that really? Right, exactly. It's not that great. He was a solid player last year on a bad offense. That's how I would describe it. Um, okay, so led the Rebels in hits, 69. Multi-hit games, 20. Second in batting average, 312. He had 12 doubles. I mean, 312 is good. What was it, What's the stat that factors in power? OP. Yes. OPS. OPS. Uh, let me look. I'm looking at the old Miss site, which is probably his OPS bad. wasn't. It was, it's no way his OPS was above 850. Okay, here's D1 baseball. If they have OPS, his OPS was 810. That's my prediction. All right, 2016 OPS 779. He would. He didn't even have an 800 OPS. Nope. He had three he, home runs, 22 RBIs. But still, he hit 312. I'm not going to denigrate a guy that hit 312 last doesn't, year. Doesn't strike me as an Doesn't have the oh, he's clutch, but he's not a bad player. I mean, I'm not trying to. I know. Saying some seven hole hitter. See, 312 I, average with a 780 OPS. That's a seven hole hitter on a good team, college baseball team. But that's all I'm saying. That's, six, that's a damn good team if your seven hole hitter is hitting 312. That's like the team that's going to yeah, go to Omaha. Yeah, I watched the 2014 team. Yeah, that's the team that's going to go to Omaha. I judge against them. So who, was, who was the seven hole hitter on the 2014? Uh, Jameson played some. Dude, Jameson sucked. He was not. He was not hitting that well. It was over B between the seven and eight. Yeah, yeah those guys were trash. He transferred to Memphis. Yeah, but one through six of that team is fucking loaded. All right, I have their Wikipedia page up. Um, from that team. That was Bra- it. Was Braxton Lee, Bossfield, right? Anderson. Will Allen, the Sykes, Sykes Orvis, JB Wood, and then it fell apart after that. You had Young Colby, you had Jameson, you had Overby. The bottom of the lineup, what I'm saying is, wasn't that good. I think on that team, Golson could hit sixth. Woodman, yeah, well, depending on the righty lefty, because yeah, Woodman wasn't Woodman was a freshman, so he wasn't as good as he was going to eventually be. Yeah, but he hit like three hundred. He hit like three ten still. Yeah. 
Well, that's just that's just sad to think about because yeah, there's they're not going to be anywhere close to as good as that 2014 team. Woodman, as a freshman, was as good as Golson was last year, and he was left-handed, so that makes him better. Yeah, you could be right about that. I'll look up. Hey, I at least stats. got passionate about it. Only the sports debate for a bit. I didn't put your head in it. Exactly. You're you're actually into this. Uh, so keep this going. So Golson's not a leadoff hitter. Yeah, I'll give you that. Ideally, you would have much lower. I think they're going to still depend on him to be one of the more consistent hitters. He has Olenek at second. I mean, I don't know. Olenek is just pretty pretty middling. He's been a pretty average player in his time at Ole Miss, wouldn't you say? He's a, he's a scrappy player. He was inspiring two years ago, but is he a guy you can really build it? build an offense around right he's a scrappy freshman but has he really has he really you know progressed a lot since then i don't know i don't think so we'll see we'll find out um fortez batting third playing first base i mean this is who old miss has to have clicking on all cylinders and he definitely looked good for a lot of last season uh but they can't afford for him to start slow or anything. What, what, what were his stats last year that's a good question let me pull those up I mean, we're asking Nick Fortet. Well, let's pull up his stats. I've got a comparison in mind, but I want to hear the stats. Yeah, I, I want to say he maybe played a little better than you're giving him credit for. So he led the team with the 319. He hit 337 in conference play, uh, 32 RBIs, eight doubles, five, five home runs. But hold on, I have to go to baseball reference to get his OPS. He hit 330 in conference play? Damn. Yeah, yeah, he did. 337, I think it said. Damn. Yeah, he kind of came on. The problem was we were starting Cooper Johnson over him most of the year until he started playing at first. Um, so we're asking, okay, never mind. What? I was gonna. I mean, Will Allen went from a two forty to a three forty hitter his junior or senior year. That's not what we're asking Fortes to do. Mm-hmm. We're asking Fortes to. Hey, if he does, what was his OPS? Oh, I got it now. Uh, OPS eight sixty eight. Okay, he just he he basically needs to do that. Yeah, and just get be the guy that gets a clutch hit there, clutch there. What he needs to execute some big at bats. I think maybe he needs to get that home run number up a little bit if he's going to be hitting third. I mean, five is yeah. You a, would hope you're a little low. guy, double digit. Uh, yeah, I would like closer to ten, um, especially with the the way the game changed last year. Um, yeah. We didn't really take advantage of it, but I think he should be. That's able to true. Hit was more. last year the first year to lower the new seam balls? Ball. Yeah, it was the flat seam balls. Yeah, team doesn't. I mean, how much power does this team really have at the end of the day? I, I I don't know. I think the next two guys on this projected lineup are going to be an important thing to figure into that power. Dillard at four, Tim Rowe at fifth. Um, start with Dillard. He had that great first weekend. Everybody started talking Kyle Schwarber comparisons. Uh, definitely fell off after that. Um, he's still solid. He he strikes out a lot and he walks a lot, which is kind of a, a funny dichotomy. Um, but let's let's pull up his actual stats for last year as well. Uh, Ole Miss needs him to be a lot better at the plate. I thought he was serviceable in left field, especially for a converted catcher, um, which is where a lot of that Schwarber comparison comes from. But uh, they need him if he's going to be hitting in the four hole to to produce a lot more than he did last year. He, he's got to make a big jump. He. He's who has to make the Will Allen hundred points. So last year, ooh, buddy, he he finished. He he really slumped late in the season, kind of tarnished all these numbers. But he finishes with a two oh six average, 
329 on base, 677 OPS, four home runs, 12 RBIs. Yeah, he, he's he, got a hit. He's got to turn it around. I mean, he's got a hit. 310 minimum, and, it's, and if it's 310, it's the right 310. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this is really uh, he's got to hit. He's got to hit three ten and have at least twelve home runs. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a lot different than uh, than what we saw last year. Um, yeah. trying to pull up Tim Rose numbers from last year. It's it's uh hard to do because there are multiple Tim Rose. So there's a baseball player named uh, Tim Rose. Okay. So that's I mean I'm sorry basketball player my bad obviously the one we know is a is a baseball player, um, but he he did not do a ton last year. Um, hmm. This is weird. Looking at the D one Ole Miss stats, they're really. Hey, we're having post. a scramble. Like who's gonna... Tim Rowe here? I just. There's just so there's so many unknowns with this lineup. Yeah, it's it's the, doing this actual breakdown lineup is making it really hard for me to get that excited about this season because there's so many question marks. If they have a good season, it's going to be completely out of left field. Uh, and pun intended for Thomas Dillard playing left field, he needs to be a big part of it. Uh, at sixth, uh, Parham has Tyler Keenan, third baseman. That is. Yeah, same with seven, Anthony Cervadillo. Uh, I think that they're hoping this guy might be able to play leadoff. I think he's got some speed. Um, rounding it off, Cooper Johnson playing catcher. Gray Kessinger playing shortstop. Gray is solid. Um, Cooper is obviously a solid defensive catcher. You don't need a ton offensively out of him on an ideal team. Uh, obviously, this team might be so desperate for offense that anybody could be called on to, to try to do something, but I don't think you're going to get a ton out of Johnson offensively. So those two freshmen... Cooper Johnson needs to be a dynamic defensive catcher. Yes, dynamic. He needs to be back picking. He needs to be making all of the throws. He needs to be Stuart Turner. Yes. Minimal. Yes, he he needs to be a bench award finalist. Um. So in order of who has the most pressure on them, I think it goes Fortes, Dillard, Golson. I'm gonna say Rowe. And then maybe Olenek, some of the new guys, Kessinger, Johnson. That's offensive. They have the most pressure to produce offensively. Um, and I'm not super confident. It's just um, too many. Who knows? Maybe they all put it together. We'll see, but I just don't. Yeah. Bianco is going to be all conservative, too, with his pitching staff. He's yeah. going to run going to run through his staff so hard it's ridiculous yeah that's true but i mean that is going to be a strength of the team we shouldn't just totally denigrate the hitting without acknowledging that yeah they're going to have a great closer in wolfhook they'll have a good setup or a good couple of setup men and stokes and etheridge uh rollison is a very very possibly could be a first team all sec starter um as a lefty and then MacArthur, who we were really excited about not too long ago is still a big right-handed guy that has some uh, some ability, and then I think you're they're gonna try to run out Feigl again for the Sunday guy. Um, he could be good. He could end up getting moved to the bullpen and be a, a high leverage guy there as well. 
Um, Houston Roth is a, is a very serviceable starter you have that can move into that Sunday role if things don't work out with, uh, with Brady Feigl. Um, and then you have a few other pieces sprinkled through. Um, I'm going to say from, from this, not this time, but let's say from 11 months ago, the player that, uh, whose fortunes have changed the most, actually the two players whose fortunes have changed the most, uh, Chase Cockrell and Cole Zabowski. I think two guys who we thought really had bright offensive futures, and maybe they still do. Um, haven't heard a lot about either one of them in quite a while. Uh, you know, Cole Zabowski, left-handed 6'5", first baseman. I was really excited about him eventually being the starting Ole Miss first baseman, which he could still be, but I don't think it's going to happen this year, obviously, with Fortes there. Um, just something something to think about. Something that struck me as I was looking at the lineup here, at the roster. Um, yep. So, yeah, let's run through the schedule. As I mentioned, they uh, they open with Winthrop uh, at home for three-game series. And I think I, I added this up. So, obviously, the only games that aren't televised are road non-conference games. Because any game in SEC Stadium is on the ESPN app. So, there's going to be three games at Long Beach State, the Dirtbags. Uh, the second, third, and fourth of March. We'll probably still be able to stream those since they're a pretty legit baseball program. Uh, there's going to be two games at Georgia State on March 13th and 14th. Uh, and then besides that, other than like the Governor's Cup and the game at Memphis and that random game at Pine Bluff, we're going to be able to watch pretty much every game this season. I think I counted up. There's like nine maybe total games that aren't going to be televised easily for ESPN subscribers. So that's cool. Um, so Winthrop at home, Memphis at home. Tulane at home, Mary State midweek, going to Long Beach, Austin P at home, Little Rock, Eastern Illinois, at Georgia State. And then for the SEC schedule, they draw Tennessee at Texas A&M, Arkansas at Mississippi State, at Vanderbilt, Georgia, LSU, at South Carolina, Auburn, at Alabama. So that's a pretty, pretty stout SEC lineup. For Ole Miss, um, I don't remember anything about Tennessee. I felt like they were getting better last season, but at A and M, Arkansas at home, and then at State at Vandy back to back, and then versus LSU at South Carolina back to back versus Auburn. Those are those are some tough. There's some tough games right there. Maybe not Auburn. I forgot they lost some of their their studs from last year, the last two years. But still, especially having to play at State at Vandy at A and M at South Carolina. That's that's all pretty rough. It's going to be tough for them. I mean, but they you can't look they can't look at the schedule and go, oh, it's a tough schedule. They just got to sit there and say one day at a time, yeah. build a mm-hmm. build a solid offense, and at the end of the day, their pitching staff is going to be the what 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 carries them. But they can't that can't be the only thing that carries them because right. they'll get burned out. So right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. We'll see. Like you said, it's a long season. There'll be plenty of time for us to talk about it. Um, Feels like a, a thirty-six and twenty, fourteen and sixteen, sneaking the tournament type season. Hmm. I think fourteen and sixteen, you do more than sneak into the tournament. Uh, oh wait, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Sorry, I totally missed thinking that fourteen and sixteen. Yeah, you're right. You, you, that's pretty much hard on the bubble. Um, for whatever reason in my head, I was thinking 14 and six, which is more like a basketball, uh, oh. record. Yeah. 30, 30 SEC games, 14 and 16. 
Yeah, that seems about right. I think if that happens, Bianco's seat starts to get a little warmer, right? Another another under 500 SEC season. I think Bianco... Does the fact they've made changes in the other two sports make Bianco's job more stable? I actually don't think so. Why? Do you think so? Curious. Uh, just because I, I think that they'll be emboldened by the fact that they can make those changes. I mean, Freeze was more popular than Bianco almost ever has been outside of 2014. Uh, and I mean, they, he, Freeze helped, you know, he, he did plenty to make himself, uh, untenable as the ongoing coach, but still, I, I feel like it kind of buoys your belief that it will all be okay. Even if you do fire this person, but I, I think Bianco is still two, three plus years from even being considered a possibility for that. I mean, he's just been, he's been too stable and something we didn't talk about in the AK discussion Say what you will about, you know, the level of support that Ole Miss gave to AK, but I brought it up today. I mean, he survived the international incident. Like, he he coached for many years after what would have been a career-ending scandal at a lot of places. Um, you know, getting arrested for drunkenly, drunkenly getting into a fight with a cab driver and allegedly using racial slurs, stuff like that. I mean, that just doesn't fly a lot of places. Ole Miss kind of stuck with Kennedy through some of that. Bianco doesn't have any of that baggage. Um, he is purely on the field. Everything else is is a positive. Uh, so I think he, I think that more than anything gives him a longer life cycle than the Hugh Freeze or the Andy Kennedy of uh of the last couple seasons that have been let go. Or actually, they both resigned, so it wasn't Ole Miss had nothing to do with it. They were just ready to move on. <laughs> you can't forget that. You can't forget that. Okay, sure. That's, <laughs> um, that's ridiculous. I just think the problem if you do if you make a move with Bianco, mm-hmm. you know, if they go like ten and twenty, and don't even go five hundred, then yeah, okay, you can. Uh, They'd have to do it you, twice though, right? He couldn't just do it this year. That you know, even if he did that, I think you, I think if you were to fire Bianco mm-hmm. or he resigned, whatever, however you want to describe it, mm-hmm. then yeah, you no, coaches. I wasn't all, actually saying they weren't fired. I was just joking, for the record. If you're, they would have made a change in all three coaches in one year. I mean, that is not an attractive pitch no. to an incoming coach. No. How do you, so maybe you're right you, in that I mean, respect. Maybe it's in, not a real thing. Especially when you, you know, the rumors around the uh, the Vitter mm-hmm. IHL dynamic. Seat Ross, of power. I mean, yeah. Nothing Ross tells you can be true. I just don't think. I think that just gets really bad optically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're right. So maybe maybe Bianco's job is a little bit, a little bit safer. But I, I still think Bianco has his own security that he's created through being such a I, solid I coach. Bianco, and I think Bianco gets more out of the effective scholarships he has at Ole Miss yeah. than would have. Mm-hmm. Is but now is Bianco the. Uh, is he would he do the best job with say a top five roster? I don't know, but I think he gets Ole Miss to a right. You know, he probably does one of the best jobs getting Ole Miss from kind of a good to a a very good level, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, just for the record, Tim Bro hit two fifty four, twenty RBIs, ten doubles, three home runs. I don't know what his OPS is. Uh, oh wait, no. Okay, here you go. You can you can scroll down, and so I can figure out his OPS myself, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So he was 698, 698 OPS for Tim Rowe. 700 OPS. Needs improvement. So it was the highest OPS on the team, Fortez? Fortez, yeah, yeah. They didn't even have a 900 OPS guy last year. No, they sucked. It was a terrible year. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about Gray. He definitely wasn't 900, but he was okay. But yeah, I mean they were bad. It's gonna have to be a lot who, better. Who, this who's year. gonna be the 900 OPS guy on this team? Ooh. I mean, probably no one. But if the but if the if the, if you told me there was one, the smart money would be Fortes, right? Just a little improvement over last year. If this team is going to be good, Tom Thomas Dillard has to be an over 900-plus OPS guy. I agree with that. But if I didn't tell you if they were good or bad and simply said someone was over 900, I think Fortes makes the most sense. Yep. Because that's not that much better than last year. If they end up with two guys at 900 OPS, I think they'll, they'll probably be, be fine. Yeah, yeah, they'll be good. Because that means – because the other thing that plays into that means the, surat, the hitters around them are pitch, or are decent enough to where they get better pitches to hit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it all kind of snowballs. That that to me is the benchmark of how good the team is. How, how hard would it be to pull up 2014 team stats? I'd be curious to know how many 900 OPS guys I are on think, that. Hold on. I might be already, able to look. If you're already on the site. I think you can go to stats and pull up like a PDF. Or... Yeah. I think. I think you're right. Hold on. Stats, Ole Miss Athletics, Baseball. Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. HTML format. Twenty four. Let me guess. I want to. I want us to guess how many nine hundred OPS guys were on this team. Braxton Lee was not. He was probably seven fifty, if I had to guess. Okay, so you want to know Braxton Lee's OPS, right? It would be low seven hundreds, if I had to guess. So it would be 322 plus 375. So right at 700. Right under under 7. Yeah. So that's about right. Who do you want to know next? Uh, Two hole was Bossfield. Bossfield. 393 plus. uh, Wait, where did I lose slug in? Here we go. So, Bousfield slugged 476. Hell yeah, dude. Plus 393. That's 480, awesome. 480 plus 390. That's a 870 OPS. That's yeah, good. That's, that's really good. Um, Anderson hit third, right? Yep. So, he slugged for 454 on base 415. So, that's... that's it was uh, 870. Yeah. That's two back-to-back 870 guys. Yep. Will Allen slugged for 502 on base... Not- 375. So that's 877. Oh, it's okay. So he was 880. 870, 870, 880. I mean, really I good. Guess for, maybe J- 850 is the right benchmark. JB Woodman as a freshman slugged 429 on base 346. So, so that's 350 good. and 430. Mm-hmm. That's what? 780. 780. Yeah. For a freshman, pretty good. Um, okay, let's see Sykes. Sykes slugged for 540, godly, on base for 397. So he was the highest. He was a uh, 940 OPS. Yeah, pretty sure that was the highest. 
because we've kind of yeah. hit we've hit all the I'm big names. I'm surprised Will Allen wasn't a, not, wasn't a 900 guy, although, but I mean, but still, he slugged 502 on base 375. That's pretty damn good. I mean, he was an 880. He was damn close. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, oh man, Hurt Perdzog, Holt Perdzog, what a guy. Holt Perdzog won us that game in uh, Lafayette. Yep. So that was a good exercise. We definitely see the huge gap between that year and the stats. So that team, to, to recap, that team had two eight seventies, an eight eighty, and a nine forty. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying this year, okay, they got to have one nine hundred, and they need to have two guys eight sixty or higher. Yeah, and that's just to even maybe win a regional. Hopefully, you know that's not and, a home ball. And, and, Braxton Lee's six ninety eight doesn't tell the story. Like right. He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right about that. Because uh, he was he was on base uh, three seventy five and he was thirty for thirty five and stolen bases. That is really good for college. That guy could flat out run. Yeah, he's still. I think he's, he, he a, got he called up, right? Def- His defense does not get talked about. Everybody, I mean, Bossville was a hell of a defensive. Was yeah, Braxton was sick. Incredible, yeah. but. Braxton in left field was every bit as good as Bob. I actually saw him last season uh, in Pearl. Um, I forget which team he's on now. I could probably pull it up here. But uh, I think Braxton is still very much um, trying to achieve his dream. So I hope he gets there. Yep. Um, it's kind of dumb that Ole Miss doesn't have their updated minor league assignment on their bio. It's like you're missing out on some, some easy marketing there. Yep. All right. Uh, well, you anything else you want to talk about this week, John? Nope. That covers it. Okay. Well, again, um, we, we our, our condolences go out to Andy Kennedy. I hope you find a much better job where you, your boss is, uh, you know, competent. And um, I, I'll be careful what I say. Where, where you have a boss that you get along with better, maybe. Uh, maybe you can be on TV and we can – hear from you everybody loves uh andy kennedy's insights and, and jokes and all that so i think it'll be great um hoping for a for a good landing spot for ak not really sure what the rest of the season is going to be like probably awkward uh we shall see i wonder how long uh the search is going to go for obviously you know you don't expect them to hire anybody until after the season's over since they're probably looking at people that are currently coaching um but we'll see i mean it could be like football where we got the earliest search in the country. This is twice, John. Twice in one season, Ole Miss is the first job on the market, right? It's crazy. Yeah, that's kind of a – that's a problem. That's not good. That's crazy. But like I was going to say, it could be like football where you're the first job in the market and you don't do anything with that advantage. You don't hire your guy. You don't hire Neil Brown or whoever early on. uh, And you end up with Matt Luke. So, I don't know. We shall see what happens there. I think you're. I think you're definitely right that it's telling that that's happened twice in one year, and it's probably not telling in a good way. Uh, but we'll be following that. We'll be here to talk about it. Like I said, baseball starts on Friday. Tune on in over in the uh, Watch ESPN app. I know softball got started this past weekend. I think they got a couple of wins. I uh, have to have our boy Wesson on to uh, give us a rundown on that here in the next couple of weeks after they've had a few more games, so we know what to look for. All that stuff. Um, we're going to call it a show there for now. Uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter. To listen to the show on SoundCloud or iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's it for now, folks. If you've got anything you want us to talk about on the show, like I said, send a tweet to us. Send a tweet to our, or send an email, landsharksafterdark at gmail.com. 
all that stuff. Uh, but for now, for John, I'm Justin. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you again in about a week. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.